Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to talk about Ultima 5. Okay, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, am I. (laughs) Now, you're a big role-playing guy. I'm big and I'm into role-playing heavily, yes. Yeah. Um, And whenever you first heard about computer role-playing, were you skeptical? No. Well, well, I was super-duper young. And my role playing began really after computer gaming. Probably was already. Oh, the, I see. You gotta think. Uh, the first computer games were the RPGs were like the '60s, you know. So it was already a thing. Uh, but uh, I was, I enjoyed them. But I didn't. I never looked at I, to this day. I still don't. Never looked at computer role playing games as role playing games because they're not. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, in my opinion, not to cheese anyone off, because if you actually play a role-playing game, you're playing a character, a role in a game, with, and you're interacting with other people who are playing characters. It's a social thing. It's hard to uh, it's hard to recreate that in a game. Now, is it impossible? No. Uh, but uh, it's difficult, and I've played very few where I got that feeling that, like, we were pulling it off. You know? But I will say, uh, MMOs... It made it easier, although even then it's not... Listen, you can't have an MMO or RPG game without a bunch of idiots running through going like, I need so, I need... You know, they're like cussing or whatever, Mm. you know, because it's the net, so it's a double-edged sword. But uh, I did play some of the early games, and uh, I was never super into them, to be honest with you. And even now, I'm not that into them either. Because when you've actually had really good role-playing games in real life, it's it's I don't I never get the same fun sensation that, that I do on a computer game. But yeah. still, if it's all you got, you know, or some people are really into them, or if you look at them from a tactical aspect of it, or you just really get into your character, you can sort of I mean you can role play it yourself in your head. You know, mm-hmm. Yes, I, I can. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, I didn't do any role playing at all until I really. I mean, the first serious serious role playing I ever did was with you. Uh, when we when we had that long running game here at Amigo Studios pre podcast, yeah. Um, but I've always been into role playing. Like I would look at stat books and stuff like that growing up. I just never had anybody to play with. Um, and I will say that I was attracted to role playing games because of that simple fact. You know, yeah. uh, I like the idea. And of course, I grew up being a console guy, so with a, like Dragon Warrior games on the Nintendo. Yeah, and I like the fact that. Here was a game that I could beat without being particularly dexterous. All I'd have to do is level up my character enough to where I could roll in and beat some butt. And that was that was attractive to me because I was not very good at video games, much like now. Now, you offer me an interesting uh, line of questions here. Because I've never, I've always wondered this, but I can ask you, because you're into like Zeldas and uh, Dragon Warrior and all sort of stuff that I'm not. Zelda's uh, not a role-playing game. Well, okay. Remove Zelda, okay. That's, and that's your opinion. Um, 
When you played, uh, what what is your favorite computer role-playing game? My favorite computer role-playing game is probably Chrono Trigger. On okay, Super Chrono Nintendo. Trigger. That's, yeah. that's fine. You've actually role-played in games, and you have played Chrono Trigger well before you did actual role-playing. Compare and contrast the two. Because I no, I didn't play Chrono Trigger, mm-hmm. but I have played games that, like, I've played some of the Gold Box stuff and, and Eyes of Beholder, well, mm-hmm. stuff like that, that I can never look at like I do role-playing. And for you that played one before the other, and unlike me, what do you, how does that, how do the two worlds mesh? Did, could you pull up the same feelings when you were playing Chrono Trigger that you did when you were actually role-playing? Or was it totally different? Uh, I think that there are some definite similarities uh, and there are some differences. I think that there are more similarities than differences, though. Uh, in both... Pen- and it, it depends on what system you're playing, too. Mm-hmm. But let's say Dungeons & Dragons versus role- you can, yeah. a video game. Um, in both games, they're very combat-oriented. Combat is, is most of what you do. All right. There's statistics. You know, you have certain percentages. Um, you have certain randomness that's involved. And you have a progression, a character progression, level progression. You, yeah. you level up certain abilities and things like that. So that side of it is similar. There's also an overarching story. Now, again, this is dependent on your in-person campaign. But right. your, your DM, if you're doing a long-term thing, he may have an arc in his mind of where he wants things to end up. Okay? Yep. The differences are that um, it is when you're playing with your buddies and something goes off the rails, if you have a good DM, he knows how to roll with it and he can adapt the story accordingly. Right. Versus, you know, when we're playing a video game, things are predetermined and they're the same for everybody all the time. I can sit down and play Chrono Trigger right now. The ending would be this. There's 17 different endings. But you would roll through the game in the same way. Right. So, is one better than the other? I mean, given the option, I would rather play with real people Anytime. I guess my bigger question is, and that did answer some of it. When you're playing Chrono Trigger, right? I don't know your character's name in that. Maybe Chrono. you name him. Okay, there you go. Or you can name him. But, All right, but let's say he's Chrono. Do you feel like you're Chrono, and do you do things in the character of Chrono like you would say with the captain um, in our Cthulhu game? In in Chrono That's Trigger, the part I'm really yeah. Wondering. So. In old school role playing games on the eight and sixteen bit systems yeah. on the consoles, there is none of that. Right, because the dialogue's already there. The dialogue's already there. The role playing aspect itself is like, oh, should I choose to equip this weapon or use this? Do I want to take my character down this combat path and level up? It's this? more tactical. Yeah. Right? yeah. Now, what about something like a more modern? Let's say like. I remember Fable was supposed to be a thing where you could make good and bad. Do you get the? Did you ever play that? Yeah, all you know, I play in Mass Effect is like this too. Any game with like moral choices and things, yeah. they're they still in video games. They still have not done that well. Yeah, you you you'll never have the amount of freedom that you do when you're sitting <laughs> around a table with your buddies and you're bouncing things off each other. And, and again, not to knock these things. I mean, and listen, I, there are some games that are great that I just don't play. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not their fault. Um, I my. When I'm playing role-playing stuff in real life, like actual with people, the stats, the the percentages, the actual math is my least favorite part because I don't because I, it slows everything down. Mm-hmm. I like the experience and like the the act of people thinking and pondering and making moves and and reasoning and playing their, doing things that their character would do. Mm-hmm. And I've never gotten a feeling 
of that when I was playing a computer yeah, game. Yeah, you, you can't. It's, it's, it's almost impossible unless you're literally playing like virtual tabletop simulator and you're doing the same so thing. So we're sort on of that. on the same page. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, that doesn't mean you can't play them and enjoy them. No. It just means there, it's a... It's, it's different. It's a different. I will say that I probably like the statistics side of things more than you do. Like, I like the idea of choosing a weapon and rolling and having looking it up on the table and stuff yeah. like that. And some people, like, listen, my buddy Big Head, he, he, he's a min-maxer when it comes to, like, champions characters. And some people are. My buddy Pat's like that. I've never been like that. I just like to have a cool character that I can relate to or enjoy. But, you know, both both are acceptable. Yeah. So, But, yeah, it's, I always wondered about that. Because it's just something I could never. They're almost like totally. When they called them role playing games, I never got. The, I never got that part of it. They're like it's just another facet of a tactical game for me. There's not really the role playing aspect. I never really. I never really got, and that's probably why. Yeah, it, there really I think it, it falls into the case of there's not really a, a a word that describes what you do in those sorts of games perfectly, and it was sort of a new genre, and so role playing was the the best they could do. Very good. Let's talk about what's been going on this week in the world of everythingamiga.com, Aaron. All right. Uh, our good boy, the Dream Catcher, has been up again. This time he's looking at a game that I pr- we were pondering this before the show. I'm pretty sure we covered this back in the day. A game called Navy Seals. Now, have you ever seen Navy Seals? The uh, game of the movie? I have never seen. This sounds like something that's violent. I believe. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you're right. I I know I think Bill Pax is this, and I think uh, uh, what's his name, uh, old Cougar Blood guy. What the heck's his name? Old Cougar Blood. Or no, Tiger Blood. Uh, what's his name? Help me out here. The family. There's Emilio Estevez's brother, Martin Sheen. Okay. No, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. When you get old, this is what happens. I think he's in this. It is because it says Charlie right there. Oh, good. There you go. I've never seen this either, but mm. I did like the game an awful lot. And <laughs> Dream Catcher. Has done his usual slideshow of the film combined with the games. Now this game came out on multiple systems, which I also didn't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, you did. Know I that? didn't know that, but I, as I was reading this, it, it it came to me that it was a Game Boy version and NES version. So this thing got around. Did this was this movie successful? Do you know if it was a? I, this I don't is, remember this being a big deal. I think this looks like it's from the very early '90s, yeah. possibly, and and. I don't know. You know, I was eight years old. I wasn't watching a whole lot of. Can you imagine of, uh, Charlie Sheen as a Navy SEAL? Are well, you he was me? he was in Platoon. Right, but he but he sucks. He's a crazy drug taking maniac. Yeah, but you know, back then he was a serious. But Navy actor. SEALs are a real hardcore, you know, stud. Type. I think anytime you've got a movie with with military personnel in it, it's sort of like watching West Side Story for the authentic, you know, like gang, gang action. Yeah, they don't go like this. <laughs> right. Doon, doon, doon. I thought they did. Anyway, Dreamcatcher goes down the line. Check it out if this is your bag, or even if it's not. I do recommend the game. I, I, I kind of liked it as far as these sorts of games go. That's just me. Cool, cool. Aaron, we finally, <laughs> you know, after a couple of weeks of some some slow news, uh, we have some some fast news. We only have a couple so stories. Fast this. news. <laughs> we only have a couple we stories this week. We got fast news. But it's um. They're, they're good stories. I think they're good. The first one is there's a new <laughs> Amiga Ireland podcast. Okay? Okay. And they're going over a bunch of hardware stuff. You know, they, they dig deep into the non-gaming side of, of Amiga stuff. They're kind of the, uh, different than us. Is that, that, is that a Pixel Vixen joint there? Yeah, about? and you yeah. know, part of the reason why I put this on here is that uh, this, this artwork for their podcast is done by Pixel Vixen. Yeah. And she is very, very shortly, less than a week away, moving to Japan. I heard that, yeah. Yeah. I follow her on Twitter. Yep. Good luck over there, Vicky. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, but... 
check out, if you're at all interested in the hardware side of things, what's new and upcoming on the Amiga, check out the Amiga Ireland podcast. Now, Aaron, back to stuff that we're more familiar with. Dranken. <laughs> what? It's Tapper, Aaron. Tapper is coming to the Amiga. Goody. I it's love this game. It's amazing to me that there has not yet been a version of Tapper for the Amiga because there's a version of Tapper for almost everything. That is stunning, isn't it? It is. It is. And of course, you know, Tapper is one of my absolute favorite games, uh, favorite arcade games. Yeah. I am very, very excited about this. There's some footage, of course, by Saberman. This story comes to us from Neil over at Indie Retro News. Uh, it looks great. I mean, he, they, they, you know, all the they, there's still some work to be done in the the character design, but uh, looks like all the mechanics are are kind of in place. So I w- would imagine that it won't be long before this thing gets its full release. You know, I love this game, and if if the if I could afford it and the cabinet was available, oh, the good one, the cabinet, so I'd buy good. the crap. Is it's got that bar at the bottom mm-hmm. of your foot? It's yep. got the actual tap. And have you ever played this in the arcade? Yes, absolutely. And the tap makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It's that makes it more fun or funner, if you will. Yeah. So I fully endorse this. Now, I mean, we we covered uh, we've covered a few of the games that came home for the for the Amiga, and I, again, they weren't necessarily my type of game. They were great conversions. Mm-hmm. This is a game that I can get behind. I oh, really yeah. love this game in the arcade. It does look good. Yeah. And one more. This is actually a new release, Aaron. Tiny little slug. Yeah, <laughs> it claims to be a charming platformer. Uh, this this comes to us again from Indie Retro News. Now, now for, hold on a second. Tapper's not out. It's a preview. Uh, yeah, normally and this is also yeah. a preview, right? No, no, no. This was actually released. Oh, normally, this is released. Normally, okay. we don't talk about previews on Amigos, but for Tapper, we make an exception. Okay, okay. Uh, this game is actually really released. You can download it right now. So it's free. It's free. Oh, beautiful. And it uh, looks like uh, you can uh, you can purchase a CD version, floppy disk, or as a downloadable file. I apologize, it is not free. We're gonna look and see how much the price is right now. Um, hey, it runs on a standard Amiga 500. Yeah, not bad. That's good. Uh, looks like order. My God, he'll get to the bottom of it. Tiny little slug. Price listed in product details. <laughs> Man, oh, I'm looking at the product details scroll right down. now. Is this it? They don't get much more detailed than that. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's free. <laughs> maybe we should add. Oh, 19 euros for the download. Thank, Thank you, you Duncan. Duncan. All right, 19 euros. That's do very. We have, do we have video. We of do this? have a video of this. Let's watch a little bit of this video. That's what about 20, 25 bucks. Yeah, this that's it's not very cheap. Wow. I will say this looks good. It does look good. This is this is definitely beyond uh, you know your. Uh, your sort of average homebrew Amiga program. Um, this appears to be a puzzle platformer where you have no vertical jumping ability. You've got to maneuver through the caverns, uh, hugging the walls, which I believe is a lot like Globule, isn't it? Do you remember old Globule? Yeah. Yeah. This looks pretty good. It this does. looks very clever. Yeah. I, I don't know, though. 19 euros seems pretty steep for a download. Well, I don't know. It I, again, have, we don't have any levels are involved. We don't know any uh, custom music. We don't know anything about that part. So this is one we'll have to look at, and then we'll have to yeah. maybe. And according to Duncan, again, the uh, it's twenty nine euros for the download and floppy, or the download and CD. And I think that it's to me it would be worth if you were really into this, paying the extra ten bucks to get the floppy, get the whole package. You get a box and stuff, presumably. Yeah, I, I probably so. So it's very clever looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and it, it is very pretty. Very pretty. So uh, anyway, tiny little slug. All right, Aaron. We put it off long enough. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk about <coughs> Ultima 
five. Let's talk about this game, Bo. Now, before we kick into this, let's let's ask that age-old question. Have you ever played this or any Ultima? Sorry, real-time follow-up. It's 19 for the floppy and the download. There you go. Okay. That's more reasonable. I've never played Ultima 5. Yeah. I've had the proverbial cup of coffee with Ultima 4 on the Atari 8-bit. How much of a cup did you drink on that one? Most of my time was spent in loading. I see. So not probably you spent how much? Give us a rough rounded estimate on how much you actually played it. Under 10 minutes. Okay, so that's practically <laughs> not. <laughs> practically not. So, believe it or not, I'm old. And my buddy had either, it was either Ultima 2 or 3 for the Atari. Uh, it's Whatever the first one was, he had it. He had the very first Atari, one that was available on okay. the Atari. I, yeah, I, I know that I had Ultima <laughs> for the Atari, but I don't know the, what other games were released for it. The reason I remember this is my buddy was very proud of his Atari, much like yourself. And he hooked his Atari, you know, the, uh, uh, he hooked his Atari up. Believe it or not, originally this guy had his IBM PC hooked up to his stereo. So when this thing beeped, it would blow the windows out of oh his house. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that's what he, he didn't have a sound blaster. He just had the beep. Right, oh yeah, that's he was, crazy. He was nuts. Yeah. But is he this had, Theo? This is Theo. Oh yeah. Eventually he had his Atari hooked up, and so he, then he would blow the speakers out on that. <laughs> but I remember looking at him playing as he had all the accoutrement, and I was mm-hmm. like, my God. Yeah. I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. you know? Remember that thought as we move forward with Ultima Five. Now, Ultima Five. Warriors of Destiny, that's the full title, Boatster, uh, released in 89 on the Amiga. Um, this thing was developed by DMA Systems. Now, I thought to myself, DMA? Yeah. No. No, it's not It's a same. different company. Uh, they did two games. Uh, they did Prophecy, or maybe just be one, Prophecy Viking Child. Those, those, Sounds like another role-playing game. Yeah. Um, now, the people that worked on this were not... Were, they were uh, luminaries on the Amiga. They'd done a lot. Uh, this was coded by Keith Jackson. He did uh, Airborne Ranger, Butcher Hill, and Special Forces. The graphics on this were done by Dennis Lebet. He actually did, among other things, Space Road, which I have played. He worked on Ultima Six, Wind Walker, and Wing Commander. Oh, okay. It's hard to believe someone that worked on Wing Commander worked on this. But there are cut scenes, and I'm sure that's sure. I have played that yeah. stuff he did. Uh, the music on this boat... Barry uh, Lech, I think I'm pronouncing that right, amongst his claims to fame were Hero Quest, Humans, Lotus 2, Nightbreed, Silkworm, Supercars, and about a million now, other things. Now, here's what I'm wondering. All right. Um, because I don't, I don't know that all the sources break this down, but a lot of times the audio engineering and the musician get lumped in together. Yeah, could and be. So, because yeah. there is a secondary guy that also worked on music that doesn't have any credits at all. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Now, we all know who actually made this game originally, and that was Richard Garriott, a.k.a. Lord British. Guy with an enormous amount of wad. Lives in a castle. Lives in a castle, went into space. Mm-hmm. He's uh, not as a fruitcake. Not a fan of Donald Trump. Not, oh, is he I not? follow him on Twitter. Oh, is he? No. Uh, he's uh, I was a big-time D&D guy from back in the day, uh, and he's the guy that worked on pretty much all the Ultimates up to this one. Now, one of the things about this that I found out was this is the last Ultima that he pretty much did all by himself. Mm. I mean, you know, the story, right. the coding. I imagine that at this point it was a combination of him becoming so incredibly rich and also the games becoming so incredibly difficult to do as a one-man show. He'd have to hire more It's help. amazing to me that a guy, I mean, again, when I say he coded this, 
And of course, he coded the original version in this. Mm-hmm. The, the other fellows I mentioned did the Amiga port of this. Uh, but uh, my God, can you imagine the guy who sat down and put this plot together? If you, I don't know how much you know about the plot, but my gosh, it's amazing. So this got a million conversions. I, some of these were surprising. I'm going to ask you about a couple. Um, of course, you had the Apple II, which was Apple was sort of the lead mm-hmm. uh, on the Ultimus up uh, to this point. Yeah, Alcabeth was. I want to say, I don't know. I mean, maybe the chat can look this up real quick, but I want to say Ultima Four was the only Ultima on the Atari Eight bits, and the other, the rest of them were just on the Apple II. Really? Yeah. That maybe I, I remember playing this when I was really young. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, but I mean, who? When I say young, I mean my teens. So right. It, it could have been four. Uh, anyway, uh, this also got released on the Atari ST. The uh, Conor's uh, 128, the Conor 64, the FM Towns, FM Towns Marty, uh, NEC 98, the Nintendo NES, uh, and DOS, the X68000, and there was a Tandy version. Have you ever played this on the on the NES? Yes. That's what I wanted to ask you. So give us the scoop. So the NES version is totally, totally, totally different. I read that. Um, it, it plays a lot more like a traditional uh, Japanese role-playing game yeah. in that the everything turns into a uh, like a cursor-based navigation. Yeah. So when you want to select something, instead of typing commands into the keyboard, you 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 highlight things on the screen. The dialogue system is all different. Um, it for me, it was a much easier way to play this game. Yeah. But that that comes from my own background. Now. Um... All the early, all, I mean, a lot of Ultimas got released on the ES, didn't they? Like, there was it four no, also? No, I, I don't think so. I think only five. Oh, really? I think only okay. five. Um, so, this is the second Ultima in the Age of Enlightenment trilogy. Did you even know that? I did. Okay, okay, good. I didn't know it until I read it in the, in, uh, on the Because on the it's, I think it's three, three, and three. Yeah. Just like Star Wars. The oh, best really? trilogy of trilogies. Okay, there you go. I didn't know that. Um, so... Let's talk about, before we get into this, let's just talk about what, what's going on in Ultimate. Now, I was talking to Butterbut before the show. It, we knew this one was coming, didn't we? Okay? So I went and, pre- I didn't even wait. And you know I never do this, but I printed out the docs. Okay? So if you're watching at home, this is my reference card. Okay? This is the quick reference card. Alright? If you're not watching at home, there's about four pages of Straight up text, yo. This is my manual, which is a crap load of manual here. The manual inc- actually includes uh, a bunch of different stuff, including a, the lore. The book of lore is in here. Basically, what you've got in this is is the is the manual for the game, plus the expedition of Lord British, plus the ma- the lore manual, plus a manual that tells you about the. Uh, the, uh, the world of Ultima, the economy, the different cities, the different buildings, stuff like that. This game was uh, one that I probably pirated and probably never booted. I don't remember because I, I knew the Ultima games required books. Mm-hmm. All right, And this one's no different. It's the ultimate copy protection. And so when you start this game, uh, if you haven't followed Ultima, uh, you, you are what's called the Avatar, which is a guy that lives in our world. And occasionally he'll be called on to go to the world of Ultima to help Lord British in his kingdom. Right? That's what happens here, effectively. If you didn't read the book, you don't know what's going on at the start of this game. I watched your video and you had no idea what was going on at the start of the game. It's not your fault. You had to read the book, mm-hmm. which I read. So, your guy's in his house. He gets this coin thing. He goes out to a uh, 
he knows it's time to go to the ultimate world. He goes out to his garden, thing of rocks, door opens, he gets teleported to the world. The first thing that happens is his buddy's there, who the guy that summoned him, and there are three dark cloaked figures in this field. And when your guy shows up, they tr they shoot at the guy, your buddy, and they wound him. And then the thing you're holding basically scares them off and they run away. Mm -hmm. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. They do that for a reason. So, and I'm assuming you know this by now. In the game world, uh, since the last adventure, Lord British and some of his knights have went around and they're closing up all the dungeons. Right. Okay. And they go to the nastiest, most crummiest one. They go down this waterfall, a couple waterfalls. If you read the book of Lord British, it tells you this stuff. They ended up having an encounter where a bunch of his guys got killed, then some more got killed, and then that's the end of it. He's gone. Well, he gets captured. Right. Yeah. He's gone. But you don't know exactly what's happened okay. to him. And, and, and so, since he's been gone, Blackthorn has taken over the kingdom. Now, Blackthorn uh, was basically his second in command, mm -hmm. but he's been... Uh, you find out as you play this game that his mind has been uh, warped by these shadowy figures. Mm -hmm. And so you're brought in to kind of save the day. Yeah, so he becomes sort of... This is a... Um, a it, all these Ultimate games are kind of morality tales. Yeah. And <clears throat> the, the shtick with this game is that Ultima 4 is all about learning how to be good, the ultimate, you know, good person. And Ultima 5 is an example of what can happen when a good person goes too far to be good. And it becomes, instead of like, you should always be honest to like, if you ever lie a little bit, that your tongue will be cut out. You know, some something like that. You know, and so you go to all of these different cities where Blackthorn has left his mark, and you see these scrolls that have been unraveled that they give you these pronouncements, and it's like this enforced ultra-goodness that's not good. Yeah, it's... Um, it's Pretty deep stuff, yeah. you know, uh, more or less. Now, before we get too much into the actual game, let's talk about rolling up your character. If you've never done it in Ultima before, and I had. I have played, I don't know which one, but I've played other Ultimas past this one. So I had seen this sort of wacky, uh, uh, weird thing you do. And basically what you do is you're asked these morality questions, mm -hmm. and you, whichever way you answer sort of shapes the kind of character you've got, right? right? Now... Could you tell what in the, what these questions meant? What was what stats were changed? That stuff. I never. Even... You're not wrong in that. This is not the only game that does this. I think that Bard's Tale does this too. I hate this. I hate this so much really? because when I'm rolling a character, I want to know what I'm good at when I get done rolling my character, so I know how to play. This game does. It would be fine if they ask you these questions and it says, okay. Here were your answers. Here's how this translates into your character. This is what you got to watch out for. It gives you none of that. I, you know, it's funny because I can understand what you're saying. This was so when I, the first time I saw I played a game like, and it could have been this years ago. I can't remember because they blend together in my mind. The first time I did this, I thought this was so clever. And so when I did it again this time, I still liked it because they do a good job. The questions you answer, it reminds me of when you go up apply for a job. Mm -hmm. You ever done that? And they give I've that applied for a job before, yes. No, no, I mean, they ever had the questionnaire where they give yeah. these ethical choices? Yeah. They don't all do it. Yeah. And and that's what it reminds me. It's almost like a job app uh, uh, testing your ethics. And mm -hmm. the ethical questions, there's really not a wrong answer a lot of times. Yeah, I remember when Eep was applying for the Toyota over there. There were like 16 of these types of questions. I mean, this is a, a big deal sort of sort of test. Um 
you know, I don't have a problem with with. I think it's cool. You know, I think it's a lot better than allocating stat points at the beginning. But it, it isn't helpful in terms of knowing what's going on. It's very similar sure. to Heimdall. Remember the old Heimdall test that yeah. you have to take at the beginning of the game. It's like give me whatever you want, but after I'm done, show me what I've got. I thought I thought it was unusual, and I don't remember a game doing it before this. But maybe you're right. It could have been another one. I don't. I don't remember. These games again, they sort of all were kind of roll into my into my brain. So. When you start this game, uh, you and your two buddies are basically on the run. You're basically hiding out, okay? Um, your buddies are Shamalingo and Olo. Your buddies' Yolo. names suck. I can tell you that right now. I mean, now. Shimino is my jam. Well, He's my boy. We're thing, in it together. I can't tell you how many times I got these guys killed. <laughs> Not many times. Shimino dies almost immediately every time you play. <laughs> when you start the game... Uh, there are very nice graphical screens to tell you what's going on. You know. <laughs> it is. That's not a good setup for when you finally start playing because the 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 intro screens look magnificent. They look so good. Yeah. And then you start playing, and then it looks less good. Yeah. And so, well, it, this game and all the Ultimates sort of did this. This game um, is a. It's this is the crossing line. Between text graph text adventures and graphic adventures. This is like it's got a foot in both sides, doesn't it? I mean it gives you a text Well, I I don't think so. I think something like um Sands of Egypt is is it has a foot in both sides. Well, camps. this is this, this is of, more on the other side. But this is that's all text with a picture. This is actually uh, this has both. A lot well, yeah, of both. but all Japanese, all role-playing games have both. Well, I mean, this feels more like, and especially the way you do commands and stuff in this. It's yeah, very that 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 part of it, I agree right. with you. Right, and it's because when you do stuff in this game, I'll pull up Appendix A here. Mm -hmm. You've got commands. You've got a text. Uh, you've got a text area of your screen that tell that tells you what's going on, which way you're going, what you've encountered. It tells you. And there's a cursor there. Yeah, it's it's a log of every action that you take. <clears throat> Did you ever figure out if you could print this log? No, I heard you asking it. Um, and in the when when I played this on the on the live stream, I think that having a log is very useful. You know, you can go back and you can look at old conversations and stuff. The problem is that you can't actually do that. The log once it scrolls by, it's gone forever. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Um. So just to give you an idea of some of the commands you can do, and we'll give you a full idea of the whole look of the game in a second but you've got if you want to like climb something you hit k yeah if you want to look at something you hit l mm -hmm. right nothing happens automatically in this if you want to talk to somebody you hit t if you want to attack something you hit a you right. get the picture here mm -hmm. so it's not like it's totally unintuitive in every it, way it's not a context sensitive deal at all no it's not point and click yeah it ain't nothing like that yeah the graphic side of it the screen is basically split into like Four boxes, one real thin one. You've got the main screen that's like a very tiny map with your character on it. Then you've got the text block. Then at the top, you've got your characters. And then in the middle, you've got some stats, okay? That, and so that's how you operate in this game. So when you're waiting for the big... If when you see this big awesome opening series, like you said, that's soak them in. Mm -hmm. Because the rest of this game, you're going to be staring at a, a, a map way up in space as you traverse this world. And the, the problem is not necessarily the window size, although it's not ideal. It's that you spend so much of this game, because this game has day-night cycle, you spend so much of having that window cut down even further yeah. by your inability to see. This game makes great use of Fog of War. Yeah. Now, let's talk about 
what you do in the game, okay? You spend the game moving around this world. Now, this this Ultima is truly a um, it's a it's two sides of a coin, and they're vastly different. You've got it's so simple to look at. Plus, you get the text. This game is deeper than the ocean blue. Yeah, it's so deep. It's scary deep. Mm -hmm. You look at this. If you look at your at this manual, it scares. It's like looking at a D and D manual. You look at this thing and just look at all the crap you could buy, all the spells. They've got this game's got its own language system, which the other games had it. This one you have to like. I had to look up words and I don't know what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. You'll come across a sign with a bunch of shapes on it. Yeah, you know? one thing that you, you you should know is you should prepare <laughs> yourself if you do not have the manual with you. If you don't have the full docs, uh, all the signs, the signposts to different villages and things, they're all rune based. Yeah, and the rune code is not difficult, but it's you know you can either figure it out on your own or, but really. This, and I'm sure we'll say it again, if you're going to sit down and play this thing, spend the money, buy the complete version with all the feelies, spread it out before you, and then go to town. You should probably say save your money before you actually go, I'll get to that later. Okay. You're not just going to hop out and grab this one, folks. <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't a tape. So, as you run around this map, and there's a there's a plot that I'm not going to give away too much. You've basically got to, you've basically got to, to kill the three Shadow Lords. Each Shadow Lord represents this different emotion. There's like I hate, and there's um, sorrow, I think is one. The other one I never can remember. But anyway, you have to go to do that. You have to get these certain items to kill them. Which to do that, you have to get into the dungeons to get this stuff. To do that, you've got to unseal the dungeons. So this isn't like a bang-bang operation. This is a game of its era. Because you're going to be walking around. I watched Boat play this for a couple of hours. I cackled as I watched this because I was like, oh, look at this boat. And then, I, having seen what he did, armed with this documentation, I sat down to begin my voyage and wandered around for a week <laughs> trying to figure out what I was doing. How to get people to tell you stuff mm -hmm. when they get pissed off. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, the, the villagers and the people, you can interact with all, tons of stuff in this. That's amazing. But it's not necessarily helpful. I don't know how anyone did good at this game. I don't, it was so hard yeah, well, to figure out. It's funny because people always talk about with Ultima that it is it's extremely. It takes a long time to do anything. It takes a long time to get anywhere. Even it when, does. I, when I post about this on Twitter, they're like, "Well, that's the idea. You just keep doing what you're doing for a couple more weeks before you figure out the first step yeah. to do." And I can respect that. Yeah, you know, like I've got no problems with a game like that. It's an interesting comparison because Japanese role-playing games are different. Those are games that are they're extremely long, especially the early ones. But the reason why those are so long is because you spend so much time grinding to build up your, your health. Yeah. Uh, in these games, like you can beat the whole game as we're watching the speedrun right here without really doing any combat at all. You don't have to grind at all. It's all story. You know, it's yeah. all exploration. It's all story. Combat was tough for me. I got murdered a lot. Me too. Uh, the magic system's interesting. You can tell that Garriott was an old-school, hardcore Dungeons & Dragons player because he didn't sugarcoat anything. Mm -hmm. This reminded me a lot of old D&D. You have spell components, spell you get chance of failure. You had to go gather the stuff you needed for the spells. You had to mm -hmm. mix the stuff. The moon cycles 
will determine what you can and can't cast mm-hmm. and when you can do it, when you can travel in certain places. I remember from the old games, they had these moon doors. Or I, don't, I don't remember what they were, moon gates. And if, if you could actually take them with you at certain points, you, there's a stone in the ground. I remember that from an, like one of the old, old games. He carries stuff over from the old games. If you get real deep into the plot of this, the whole plot of this game is based on something that happened in one of the other games. Like, I mean, it carries on. So this wasn't. This is a guy who took attention to detail to a new level. I mean, he wasn't screwing around. And this, the game is not easy, and it punishes you often. Yeah. Uh, and also, just to get back to that code, I understand where he was going for. And when I was younger, I would have dug that, mm-hmm. but I don't like it now. Yeah. I don't like having to have the manual in one hand constantly. I think the spells are all coded. You have right. to do all that stuff, but that's a pain in the butt. It's. I agree with you. Um, when I was a kid, I loved like when I was a kid, I loved decoder rings and stuff like that. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. Now I just don't have time for it, um, and it's a shame, really, because I think that I probably lost some of the the awesomeness that I had when I was younger. But um, it's it's really it's hard to say that this is not a good game. This is a game that is aged poorly. It's a game that comes right at the end of the era when games could still get by looking like this. Like yeah. If you look at Ultima 6, the game got a big facelift. Um, and it starts to look more like a modern game. This is a game where you have to take tons of notes. Yeah. Whenever, you're talk- whenever you're talking to people, you got to write down what they say and remember it. Um, and it's, it's just not a game that's really easy to get into in 2020. Well, you know, we were talking, before the show, me and you were talking about our, the Spectre game this week. This is another game that has to be looked at in the context of when it was released and who was playing it. You know, uh, it takes uh, it takes the patience of a kid and with with no other games around mm-hmm. and to and to sit in a bedroom for days and weeks to play this kind of game. Now there are still people out there that could sit down and go for it. And I wish I had I could do that if, yeah. if I had the time or the attention span. I don't know. You know, like at the end of the day, I wonder, it's like, if I had infinite time right now, would this be the game that I'd sink it into? But, you know, you can't look at that now from the, I mean, if... But there say, are some games that we play that I do absolutely think that. Right. But, I mean, if you, if you let's say today is 1980, 1980 uh, what, what, 89, and this is the game sitting in front of me at that time, it's brand new, you may have a different opinion about it. Oh, sure. It, absolutely. Know? The uh, to put I want to mention this because I saw it on a wiki and I had to bring it up to put in perspective the detail put in this game. Um, Garriott programmed the game because there's a telescope in the game that you can look up in the sky. He programmed the game to accurately depict planetary orbits. Insane. Okay, Insane. that's what I'm talking about here. Now, uh, I played this off the GoTech. All right. I got it to load, and uh, it wasn't too big of a pain in the butt. I did read nightmare stories on the C64 about this game. They mentioned in the wiki that the uh, they had built a their own loader that would load this thing real fast, but it only worked on the 128 or the 64 from NTSC mm. because it was based on the the uh, cycles. That's right. And mm-hmm. so, but on the PAL, it apparently was like mega slow. Mm-hmm. So I, I know a lot of people got killed over that. But I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, tidbit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I uh, I played this a lot. In fact, I had this with me at, at, at work, and I'd have it on my laptop. I would just play it when I had idle time. just to, And I did see a bunch of the world. 
One of the problems with this game as well is it takes forever to get across this world. So if you need to go somewhere, or you don't even know where you're going, again, it just the, takes forever yeah, Again, to though, that's, that's a feature of an, of an old-school role-playing game. You know, yeah. you've got, There's no fast travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, you're right, man. I know. Um, it's said that this game was ported uh, from the PC, which is why... Now, we should talk about some of the plays we don't really don't like. Let's talk about the music. <laughs> Go ahead, Boat. Because when you stumbled across this, I was like, I know he's going to say something about that. Well, it's funny because when you start playing, you're like, there's a tune that's playing. And you're like, oh, yeah. It's, it's music. Yeah. yeah. However, the tune continues to play yeah. and play and play until you want to tear your hair out. Yeah. It's, it, gets, it gets old. Um, it would have been nice if they would have had, and the NES version has this, where you go to, you know, whatever zone you go into, it's got different music and stuff, and that's that's yeah. cool. Um, I don't know why they only had one tune. Well, get this. The Amiga version, that song is the o- only appears on the Amiga version. But guess what? Other versions have tons of songs yeah. that don't do that. Yeah. So Amiga got screwed on the yep. song. That got turned off instantaneously. Mm-hmm. That is That feature sucked. Yeah. Feature in quotes. Yeah, the feature of only having one song. Horrible. That was horrible. So that was a huge screw up yeah. right there. And they, there's no excuse. It's not like when we talk about ports that came later on, you know, in like the, the mid to late 90s for the Amiga. And you can see, well, maybe they were just sort of half-assing it. This is 1989. This is the heart of the Amiga. Yeah. There is no excuse for you to be backing off on anything here. Listen, some people may not want to hear it, but it's a fact. Quick and dirty port. Bam. That's yeah. all there is to it. That is an inexcusable thing. Yeah. Um, you talked about the feelies and stuff. According to what I could find when I looked into this, uh, amongst the things you got were the books, a cloth map, and you also got a coin representing the the, uh, the codex from that was part I be- of the game. I believe that getting the coin was uh, present in every Ultimate game. There was a different kind of coin. I like that. I watched the... Um, there's a good video Metal Jesus Rocks did. Uh, he basically unboxes every single Ultimate game and talks a little bit about them. If you're at all interested, if you're an Ultimate newbie, I suggest you check that out. Um, we were talking about the C64 version of this. It didn't have any music, which sucks. You had to have a 128 to get the tunes. So you... They kind of got screwed. Yeah. Oh, what is it with the well? <laughs> I mean, the thing is that you know, uh, this is a massive game, and yeah. you know maybe you just needed the extra power of the one twenty eight, you know, to now, get the music. Now get this. This is something wacky I found. Okay, listen to this one. And I didn't know this. Richard Garriott did not like Trip Hawkins. All right, the guy that ran really. The so right. they're like titans that are rivals, right? So like Dusty and Rick. Yeah. So hard times, yeah, brother. That's right. So, he, in the game, if you look, there's a mausoleum named after Trip Hawkins, which uh, basically, I don't, I guess to badmouth him. <laughs> and he also, uh, he also had a few other things in there that basically badmouth Hawkins. That's weird. <laughs> He's one of the few guys to get away with that, probably, uh, and, 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 get, and come out the other side. They both are in the ramparts of their castles, throwing bombs at each other. Yeah. So, where do you fall on this thing? Let's, let's put this to bed. I mean, and I'll tell, I'll just mention this to Bo before we came on. Uh, one week is nowhere near the adequate time to judge a game of like of like this. We can judge the game, what makes up the game, the components of the game, but as a whole, and having looked over the story, the storyness is incredible. From a D&D perspective, two thumbs up. It's awesome. I like the moral. Mm-hmm. I like all that stuff. I like mm-hmm. the books. They're well written. Mm-hmm. As a game... In 2020, 
I'm never playing it again. Right? It's just it's too much. Right? Even young Aaron didn't play these games. Mm-hmm. It was too much. It was too much like work. Yeah. Uh, but that much said, if this is your bag, you will be rewarded with a good story. I will say that. What do you think? Yeah, this it kept striking me. Um, you know, as I as I looked back and forth from the screen to the instructions. That games like this, I would rather just read a book. I would rather read the Ultima Five, the novel. You know, I, I feel like I would get more enjoyment out of that than constantly. I don't like having to come into a game. I don't like having to read a book to be able to come into a game. I want the I want the game to lead me along by the hand a little bit more. Well, I knew this game was deep. In fact, we got we actually got tipped off that this was coming, and so the first thing and I. I've, you know, I've played these. And so, like I said, I, I spent a good deal of time just reading the material. I love the material. Yeah. I really do. And unlike, I mean, it really is well-written. What was that What was that? That other game we had to play where the guy kills himself at the end? You had to read the novelette oh, yeah. to get in. Remember that one? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I wasn't a fan of that. I didn't think that was very well-written. But this this thing, I mean, like, it reads like any fantasy novel <laughs> does. It's it's good. It's good. It's and uh, uh, But, I mean, in terms of the depth of this game, it's deep. It's just that the interface just wasn't there for me. Yeah. Now, because I'm a spoiled 2020 jerk. Now, if I go back to this, I will play the console version. Because at least then I will be able to have sort of a menu-driven system that I can navigate more easily. I will say the console version, from what I read, was totally different from this. Really? I mean, there's a lot of differences. Okay. So okay. There you go. Um, I did look this up for... Uh, for uh, reviews, I did find some. Lemon, the people there gave it an 8.25. Uh, Ace gave it uh, a 91. Joystick gave it a 95. Amiga Joker, 95. And Amiga Power, 93. Uh, the game, Ironically, the game was ranked 18th best game of all time by Amiga Power in 91. So I guess they changed their tune. Yeah. Ace uh, said this was the game of the year in 89. Best role-playing game of the year, 89. And it made the Ace's all-time list. What do you got? Uh, we got some reviews here, Aaron. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I take it all back. We got no reviews this week. I I, I saw, have, we thought we had at least one. I saw a lot of people that were bowing out on this one. Yeah. I saw a couple people. Um, so I priced this on eBay, okay? And I had a feeling this was going to be expensive. And as you get back into the Ultimates, I should mention, this also has the rep of being Garrett's favorite one. Really? That so, I never read. Interesting. This is this really this game is heralded by people that aren't us that yes. really know what about role playing games, mm-hmm. okay? Because of because of the plot and the morals. I I, I I dig what he was going for. Oh yeah. All right. Um on eBay I saw this go the minimum I saw one going for was thirty two bucks. And I saw him going all the way up in the into the nineties, depending on the what was still with the box, you know, so you're probably going to pay some money for this one now. That much said, you probably it's probably a sound investment because games like this, there aren't that many, mm-hmm. and they're still popular. Yeah. And '89, there are probably still some more than say the third or the second Ultima, obviously. But it would be. I tell you, pick one I, I remember uh, and this has been years ago looking at prices for Alcabeth, the the very first oh, Ultima, the plastic bag yeah, and all that, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Well. Before we go, Aaron, we should probably talk a little bit about what's been going on over on our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got some new videos up this week. Uh, the first one, we should talk about uh, Magic Land Dizzy. This was last week's Our Sinclair. So uh, last week we had a go with uh, Magic Land Dizzy. 
Another um, game of its era. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, it's 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 another Disney game. Actually, I, I didn't think that, I thought this was way better than any other Disney games I've played. Yes, and yes, I, compared I, to the other ones we played, it was uh, still. On the show. I also didn't instantly get murdered. Yeah. So I called it a win, as I recall. And I, I this one, I mean, this is a game uh, that was that I liked. I, I mean, in terms of the, of a Disney game, I yeah. thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, I played a couple Atari games. Uh, I played um, Mr. Do for the Atari. This is part of the uh, Atari High Score Champion uh, Club over on Atari Age. Mr. Do's a heck of a port on the Atari 8-bit. Heck of a port. Um, and it's weird to see it that long. And yeah, it's... yeah, it stretched out a little bit. Um, we did have a classic computer club meeting last week. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we played a bunch of Intellivision. The Intellivision was the star of the show. You brought that thing over. We had a blast playing that. Yeah, I, uh, I modded the Intellivision. Actually, I'll, I'll thank uh, uh, Eric Nelson uh, over at uh, Pixel Guiden for... They've been talking about, and Cody as well, talking about uh, Intellivision modding it. And I've had mine sitting around forever. And that, that is the problem, that RF. It's hard to get fired up to play the games that look so bad. Mm -hmm. And I will say, we played the crap out of some Intellivision. That was, we had a lot of fun. That's the most, that thing's been up for a long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, finally, uh, we have a, oh, not finally, we still got a couple more videos. Uh, Amigos on Tour. This is Pixels at Dawn's final uh, video. Pixels looking, he's looking like a model. He does, he looks like freaking Dean Kane in 1995. <laughs> um, oh, oh, wait, that's an ad. So, oh, oh, there he there, is. That, there I am. Did you just think I was Pixels? That's no. me. I thought they got the ad. I know who you are. Oh, okay. You so, look at all the luminaries of Amiga on one shot. That's right. That's right. Um, but Pixels basically took, he shot so much footage, and he he's combined the best of the best all together. There it is, Super Dodge, oh, Game of Games. The bane of my existence. Um, check this thing out. You know, if you didn't get a chance to see any of our um, Amiga Ireland footage and you want to see just a, a quick shot of the best of, Pixels has done a fantastic job. This is the video well, I that I this. yeah. This is the video that I send people when they ask about what I did. Um, I say just watch this. That's uh, great. It's great. I you, love it. I mean, this it's amazing. Oh man, I'd have bought every one of those manuals right there. <laughs> I could have sold you some Amiga oh, magnets. Oh man, that's a good. Um, and finally, Aaron, we released a new Coco Show podcast where we talk about <laughs> Starship Chameleon. Yeah, I like this game too. It could have been better, but it was still pretty good, and it's it's a very unique game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to... Oh, wait, one more, Boat. What's, what's that? What did I forget? Uh, a little show called ARG Presents, Boat. ARG Presents? Yeah, remember us? Is that a show on our network? Yeah, oh. it sure is. So this past week, listen... I lived your dream this week, pal. You did. You Acorn did. freaking Archimedes. We played it. I love the Archimedes. This is the exact opposite of the ST or the Falcon. I mean, <laughs> my experience with the with the uh, with the uh, Archimedes was great. The, I liked the OS. Uh, I I, I, the, I liked my game. I heard from a guy who sent me all the manuals to this game, so I could really get intimately into it. Very Did impressive. you ever figure out why it's called Chalks Away? I know why it's called Chalks Away. Oh, it's because it's the leany thing, right? That's the thing that keeps the wheels from spinning. Yeah, the leany yeah. thing. We had a lot of fun with this, though. It was the other thing. It was something about, like, tally-ho ginger. Did you ever figure that out I that? Didn't, no. Okay, you never figured that out. But uh, we had a lot of fun. We we put, well, I will say the game Brent picked was unique. I will say that. <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. And uh, uh, this week we're going to be playing games that were released only on Windows 3.x. I am really looking forward to this. You know that Windows 3.1, <coughs> it can multitask in the Amiga, couldn't? 
I saw your idiotic post that I'm not going to comment on. You're nuts, by the way. <laughs> Amigas Multesky crushed that. But that's a whole other conversation. All right, Aaron. Yeah, it's, you just destroyed the chat. It's time to wrap things up. Yeah. <laughs> Before the hook comes out. I do want to thank Blendo75 for his uh, suggesting Ultima 5 and for the Amigos Game Selection Committee for voting on it. Um, last week... The Patreon song, Aaron. The streak has finally been broken. Pack Billy. Pack Billy. Yeah, you guessed it. Pack Billy guessed the name of the song. The song was Just My Imagination by The Temptations. Look at that. Tally Ho Ginger is a reference to the Biggles books. You know, the Biggles books. I don't know the. Ginger was his flying partner. Thank you, Pixels, because I don't know what that means, but at least with the mystery song. Yeah, by saying it live on air, someone will be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And they'll get it. If you know the answer to this week's Patreon song challenge... What was last week's again? Just My Imagination. Okay. You knew it. Did I? It was just No, I didn't know what... I, I, I know that song, but I, I didn't get your version. What about when I throw in the moves? That makes it me sort of nauseous. <laughs> we do have a new supporter this week, Aaron. We want to welcome Tech Mage. Te oh, yeah. Tech Mage to the stage. You, you didn't watch Babylon 5, did you? I watched the good one. The hot Starbuck. Babylon 5, not Battlestar Galactica. It's all the same. No. They had these guys called Technomages on the show. They used technology to simulate magic. It was awesome. That does sound awesome. It was great. They were awesome. And feared. They were awesome and feared. Ba oh, yeah. Carry on. Good name, dude. If you know the, uh, this week's Patreon song, you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. Tech. Mage Zebedee's magic round the bouncer again. Mr. Cola, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorglub, Commodore Kid, Jorgman, Nuts and Reflection, Simon, Lich Cap, and Crispy Kilobytes and Caffeine, Mike W. Decker, Three Wood. Gary Heather Freelunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster Minator, Ten Minute Amiga Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, Retroman, Cape Tim, Drew Simon, Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Robo Hera. Robert Nibs, Matthew Larup, Andy Craig, oh. Shonzo, Darren Lomax, Colin419, Bark, Bit, Roland Burke, Andrew Mum. What's out there? Joe the Zombie, John Cook, Leaf, Kellon, Allen, Kebab, Check, Gote, Level Lord, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy. <laughs> Biggie CTZ, the slow Norris, <laughs> Stefan Sorgan Mortensen, Edvin Helland, Blindo 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Dreamcatcher, Lorenzo, Graham, Greb, Keelane, Denson, Adam Battersby, <laughs> O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Huck, Gussie, Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, 
Duncan Styles, tapes from the crypt, Josh Nan and Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim, Tommy Humbert, Chad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, <laughs> Pixels of Dawn, and Kilbjorn Barman. Brutal Barracuda? Hey, man, it's He's the end musical. of the song. He's a musical guy. Do you know what a coda is? Huh? Do you know what a coda is? Oh, yeah, I know what a coda is. All right. Hit me. He's a guy from the Bronx that put, that makes programs. Or Boston, depending on where you, you're, you know. You can't radio. even get that joke right. Come, Come on, on, Either man. way. <laughs> that was a good one. It was great. He's a coda. It was fantastic. Pock your car. So, like very Horowitz. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, chat. <laughs> um, or sorry, chat. <laughs> uh, we want to thank especially our people that are watching us live on Twitch right now. Pixels of Dawn Gaming, Johnny Renegade. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. Uh, Edvin Helland is here from the Man Cave. I am Paul H., the boss man. Wing Chun, well, boss man, I just told Aaron that you're never in the stream, and here you go, popping up. He's been here several times. Go to go sub, Wing Chun Wolf is here with us. Uh, Tonight. Bark Bit. Um, Frodo and El Mitsuyama, El Curtis B, Bike Me, Paul Kitching, Delamort78. Thank you guys so much for being here with us this evening on the show. And we do record every Friday around 5.30 Eastern Time. We have sprung forward, which either puts us in or out of Daylight Savings Time. I'm never sure which. I can't even remember that. And um, yeah, you can always check our show out on anchor.fm slash Amigos Podcast if you want the uh, audio version or our YouTube channel. I try and remember to archive the shows on Twitch, but sometimes I forget. I believe that that's everything. We do have other shows, though. I guess we should plug real quick. ARG Presents, The Brent and Aaron tackle a different computer slash video game slash theme Sometimes every week. Sometimes they tackle us yes. violently. We've got 1200XL and Tari 8-Bit Gaming Podcast. All right. That's our, my motto. Our Sinclair ZX Spectrum Podcast. The Coco Show. Oh. All about the Tandy color computer. So if you like old computers... And you like old men? Never <laughs> <laughs> that joke for you. Fit, you'll, you'll fit. You'll fit right in with it. And us. you can go back and listen to the old episodes of the old shows. That's We've right. Got the whole library. It's ready for your perusal in the boat. Everything is archived and ready to rock. Did you and roll. remember that stat you put up this week of how many shows we've done and yeah. the numbers that was? What do you it's remember? Like what it was? Three hundred and seventy-five hours of content. <coughs> so amazing, ludicrous, yeah, sinful. Frankly, it is. It is. Well, guys, thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, adios. adios.